0: Welcome to The New Era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. All right, guys, welcome back to Web3 the new era. Today, we're interviewing Beck, who is a project manager with Spoonakiss's NFT marketing agency team, Soulblitz, as well as a moderator for various projects, including our own project, Web3 Connect. Beck is applying her studies in business administration and transferable skills from previous in real life roles to provide value in new ways that are currently lacking in the Web3 space. Listen in to hear Beck talk about her journey from Twitch to NFTs, the importance of mods to an NFT project, and how she stays organized using a project management software called Notion in both her personal life and NFT investing. This interview with Beck got Noland and I thinking about Web3 education, reflecting on your strengths, marketing yourself, and the importance of clear communication, so stick around to the end to hear us chat about those concepts in more depth. But otherwise, let's get into the interview. <music> Alrighty. Today we have back here with us and she is a moderator for us, Web3 Connect, but she also has a lot of other roles in Web3. So I won't really get into it. So I'll pass it over to you back to share a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you. So I am 29. So I feel like I'm a little bit older than the general community in Solana. So I kind of navigate towards like a more of a helping role because I like helping people and I feel like moderating is guiding people and kind of being on top of things. And I work from home and I'm studying at the moment. So I'm doing a certificate in business administration because I am older and I haven't got very much study experience. You kind of need to start with these lower cert roles. I eventually want to uh, move on from this when I graduate and do project management. It's something that I've always been interested in because I used to be an event organizer in my real life, and I've taken on all kinds of different roles from administration to running distribution centres, working in a call centre, working in sales restaurant, bars, it's all navigated itself into project management. I love having a sense of control and knowing what's going on all the time. So I eventually want to move that career into project management, which I think fits perfectly in the Web3 world. And crypto and NFTs because there is a need for it I think. I live in Australia in Queensland. I am originally from New Zealand. I grew up in New Zealand and moved here in 2019 to Australia. It's just life's a little bit better. Um, here, it's nice and warm and yeah you know, I've got a cat, a dog and I just kind of chill at home. Because I am studying it gave me a lot of time to kind of jump into NFTs so now we don't have a 40-hour work week to kind of juggle as well.
0: And how are you applying what you're learning through your studies with business administration to what you are doing or what you plan to do in the Web3
1: space? So the knowledge that I'm gaining from my studies, I would definitely be applying that to Web3 work. I'm not too sure if I'll be using it to help others because I have never done education before. So I would have no idea where to begin. And I feel like um, it's just a whole new world. It, it could be something that I'm interested in, but I feel like it has helped me, especially with my writing. It, it may sound weird, but I haven't written assignments in so long and you have to write many assignments and it is. and it's just helped me with my like have confidence behind my words that i write and i feel like that's one of the biggest tools that you can have in crypto and nfts is you know being able to express yourself and write and people actually understand and can like read along with what you're trying to say so i definitely will be applying this knowledge because i am doing it for work and I wanted to work in a uh, like normal life, I guess what would we call that web too. So I definitely want to keep pursuing my career and, and see what happens. I, I know what I'm good at so but I'm not too sure if I would be willing to teach people unless unless I was really confident and good at it. <laughs>
0: I can definitely resonate with the importance of writing skills and like communication skills and being able to articulate what you're thinking or what you're trying to say in a way that is going to be really easy for the end user to understand and it seems so important in this space because of how new the web3 industry is we're all sort of learning so it's important to be very clear and direct with communication and I'm sure that's really helpful as a moderator as well to so take it a little bit back like how did you get into Web3? How did you find yourself here? What was your sort of origin story and first getting into the NFT space?
1: I learned about NFTs probably in August last year. And I'm a big gamer. I tried to start streaming on Twitch, so gaming um, and streaming, but that definitely wasn't for me. But I was really deep into the Twitch culture. So I was you know, watching Twitch streams. I was helping in Twitch streams. I've got a couple of different kind of Twitter accounts and my main account was following like Twitch streamers and that was like my community before NFTs. And this girl that I watched um, started tweeting about NFTs and her friend as well, which is funny because she's really successful in the NFT space still today and I'm in one of her alpha groups. Uh, She's really cool. I just love that she's a woman and she's successful in this industry. But she was talking about NFTs and how you can flip them for money, you know, And I was thinking, wow, I'm out of work at the moment. I'm studying. This could be like a really cool thing. What if I get rich off this? So I started on Ethereum and I started looking around and learning I have no crypto knowledge I have no NFT knowledge I've got no trading knowledge I've never bought and sold I've never flipped anything in my whole life so I was going in green as ever didn't know anything and I watched a couple of YouTube videos I got rugged a couple of times I lost a lot of money in the beginning over on Ethereum and then I got sick of the gas fees because gas fees are not good for people that do not have a lot of money if you don't have a lot you're going to get ruined so I was like I'm going to come to Solana and the rest is kind of history but I just wanted to keep learning and I had all the time in the world and I put in so many hours of just trying to learn and get better because I just I'm not rich but I've got so many new friends and so many new opportunities that I don't care about the money that's not my goal anymore it's just become successful I guess
2: I love that approach, too, where the, um, the money is kind of a byproduct of the value that you get and give from your closest friends, you know? It's really interesting, actually, that you started in the Twitch community. Do you see any similarities between the Twitch work that you've done in terms of, like, community building and people, like, subscribing to your channel for, what, $5, $10 a month to get different tiers of, like, access to you as a creator? And I just think there's a ton of overlap. I'm curious if there's anything notable that you've noticed, kind of the crossover between these Twitch communities and... these collections that you're involved in
1: well there's definitely a crossover in the fact that you market yourself on your twitter all the twitch communities are uh, focused around discord so there you go like projects are Discord, the Twitch communities of Discord, they're set up very similar. And then you've got like the moderating. So you're moderating the channel, you know, you're doing commands, you're working with bots, same thing with NFTs. So the fundamentals are all so similar and especially with the money. So my Twitch career was not successful. I never got to applying to be an affiliate. So I personally never got any Twitch subs. I just gave up quite quickly purely for the fact that I'm going to be really vulnerable here. I was very insecure of people watching me game and I didn't want to have my cam on. I didn't like any of that. I didn't want to be scrutinized. I'm very much happy working in the background. So it just wasn't for me. It doesn't fit my personality. The crossover with the Twitch subs, I think it's definitely an incentivizing thing for content creators, which would be similar to like the project founders. You're going to do everything in your ability to make your community happy and, you know, they're paying you for something. It just depends on your boundaries and expectations that you kind of put on the table. But most of the backend work in the sense of like the Discord and the Twitter and the, you know, trying to grow your twitch channel is the same as like trying to grow your you know your discord server i guess so a lot of those things are so similar especially the community aspect it's just the nft is a little bit more cutthroat cuz there's a lot of money on the line
0: <laughs> when you were describing your origin story and how you first got into nfts i really relate to that and i think a lot of us can because of the space being so new and there being sort of a general lack of consolidated and easy to sift through educational materials on Web3 and everything that it's about. Like there's a lot out there, right? But it's hard to organize and to wrap your head around when you're first starting out. So when you first got into the space and you came in here with no knowledge, what did you find as like the best ways to teach yourself and where did you find most of your information? Was it kind of like just learning from doing? Were there certain influences? influencers that you really trusted? Like, what was that learning process like?
1: My first go-to was YouTube. But I quickly realized that YouTube is just not the go for learning NFTs. Most of the time they're like undisclosed shills. So they'll like include a collection in the YouTube video and they're like really heavily trying to push that or something. But where I learned was actually, I don't know if you guys are aware, I've heard of this guy before. His name is NFT Llama and he's really, really popular over on Ethereum. So he's got like an alpha discord. He was like doing alpha discords before alpha discords were a thing and it was all about learning he had these forums he was teaching you how to trade he was teaching you how to like momentum trade and really happy with like um, helping new people but I was priced out of his alpha channel pretty quickly because he started monetizing it so he had a pass that you had to buy which is funny because it reminds me a lot of general souls the soul army except he did it the better way and airdropped free passes to his community but that's kind of where i i learned was in these forums and on twitter i was going on twitter and i was trying to find anybody that had any opinion on something and i was just following them and reading threads shout out to becca.soul she had some really good threads Well, she still has them. So she was really good to learn. And and again, an inspiring woman to follow in this space because she's very confident and has got some good things to say, good to learn from. But really when I first started, there was no material, there was no... This is what an NFT is. This is how you trade. This is how to like de-risk or do low risk trades. No one was teaching you about don't buy rares when you first start out. But I was trying to buy rares because that's what I thought that you had to do. So mine was a lot of trial and error. But definitely the first thing that I learned was with NFT Llama and his threads and his Discord and just the people that he surrounded himself with were also quite good people to follow. But I found most of the stuff I learned was on Twitter.
2: It's kind of wild that you started with, what, YouTube alpha? I mean, I was the same way, actually. I started watching these YouTube videos, and (laughs) they don't get you very far. Um, They're they're a starting point, at least to a community. I remember I paid for this one guy's Patreon. And then I kind of got around the, not the right discords, but more valuable discords to me where I can meet cooler people and just, like, have more real interactions. That's been awesome. Kind of hearing about how you started from literally no info to, I mean, where you are now. And I was actually wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about... About Team Soulblitz, what they're trying to do, and what your role is with them.
1: So Team Soulblitz is really new. What they are is a marketing agency where we kind of as a team it's like you're an angel investor when like angel investors into a nft collection that is yet to mint out so most of the time it'll be a collection that doesn't know how to market themselves they don't have access to community managers or mods they don't know how to run a twitter or they not that they don't know they just don't have the time so they come to us and all the payments are taken after the mint so if the mint sells out or even if it doesn't it, they're always dependent on our marketing that we do the project really and then Spurnicus invests his own money into the project so he'll pay for influencers if they wanted to do like an influencer giveaway he'll give away Solana and then he'll also do like a marketing package which is like worth around 15 Sol to help grow the community and and their discord so we have marketing managers there's four we just onboarded another one this morning so the marketing managers they're like the project lead so they do all the marketing for it. So we've got four of those. Then we have, I think we've got four mods now. So they're like mods that we'll hire out. So all of our staff are paid. Some are paid a salary per week. And then some are paid based on the mint, like if the mint sells out. So they get a percentage of that. And then we also have a collab manager. Um so yeah, marketing managers, mods. We've got people that can design and write white papers. We have people that can advise on tokenomics. We have a graphic designer, we have a video designer. So Some people are contracted and some people are on the team full time. So we've got all this arsenal of different areas to help the project be the best that it can be. So my official role within Team Soul Blitz is a project manager because I do not want to do any marketing work. I'm not good at it. I know that I'm not good at it. Uh, So I would rather do something that is my strengths. So... I'm associate project manager. The role is really new. So I'm still trying to figure out uh, the best way to go about it. But essentially, I make sure that the projects are all uh, tracking on time. But it all goes through Spoon, who is the chief marketing officer, who is like the owner of the whole thing. But I just make sure that all the data is correct. Everyone's monitored and listed per job. So I know who's working with what. I know when they started, when they finished. So I just make sure that all the details are correct i built us a whole brand new Airtable system, which is quite overwhelming for people that have never used Airtable because it is overwhelming. <laughs> but that is essentially what Team Soul Blitz does. We're there to support a project and we're setting them up for success. Sometimes if they do need a mod, I will jump in and mod for a project. But you can only really be a mod for so many projects before you start wearing yourself thin. And I like to think two maximum for me because it's a lot of work the work becomes demanding and you have to kind of be there all the time. You know, someone might not ask a question for three hours and then you have to kind of answer their question quite quickly. So you've got to be checking in all the time. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And that actually segues into one of the things I wanted to get your take on, which is, well, one, which projects do you moderate for? I know you're a mod for Web3 Connect, but what other projects are you involved in? And are there any like core differences in the roles and responsibilities that you have when moderating for different projects? Or is it all pretty similar?
1: I think that there's definitely a variety when it comes to moderating. So I moderate for three communities at the moment. So the first one is Web3 Connect. Web3 Connect is quite good because you're not answering the same question over and over again. You're being a little bit more interactive in the community, you know, reading the ads, helping out with some of the, the tasks for you guys and just making that you know the ads more accessible to people and more engaging in the community then I also mod for a project called double jump so double jump is like Fall guys but all done on like it's like a web three version of Fall guys so my moderating there is basically uh, helping with the communities come in and they do like a first come first serve for whitelist so Directing them to the channels, giving them the roles, answering questions on how to get whitelisted, referring them to the channels for how to get whitelisted, because I I always feel, do not give everybody the answer. You can help them and prompt them, but it's always good for people to figure that stuff out on their own. And trying to encourage general chit-chat, but it's really hard when you're competing for over a hundred different servers for, for their attentions. I feel like you're more of a guide with projects, and my... Last one is I moderate for a community called the Aussie Dow. We don't have an NFT. We're a closed community. So the only way that you are able to get in is if you are an Australian. So if there's any Aussies listening and you want to join, just send me a DM on Twitter.
0: Is there like an interview process to verify that they're Aussie before you let them into the Discord?
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. There's a couple of questions. I'm not going to tell you what they are in case we get anyone uh, doing some homework before they come in and pretending to be an (laughs) Australian. But uh, we're we're pretty good. We're a very tight-knit community with... The Aussie Dow, I'm a mod there and that one is a lot more casual. So definitely having a presence in the community as a moderator is very important. You want people to know that you're there and that you're there to help so people can, you know, feel that they can tag you or message you with any concerns. Between the mods is about eight of us now. We do whitelist collaborations. So we do like giveaways. I just try and make sure that there's order kept and directing people to the right channels. So keeping general chit chat out of our alpha channel and coming up with ideas for the server. Like we did a one soul to a hundred soul challenge, which failed. None of us are good at flipping. <laughs> we didn't get very far. Um, but, you know, setting up community activities and making announcements and just kind of keeping an order is definitely the most easiest mod job I've ever had because it doesn't feel like I'm modding at all it's just because it's a community it just takes care of itself I think I just got given the mod role because I'm rank one in the server (laughs) I talk too much but um yeah so that one's kind of like my starting point to be like you know I would really like to do more of this and kind of take it to the next level so I probably would have the room to do one more but I've got another job lined up and I can't talk about it yet because it's still in the very early stages but it could make the break to becoming like super super full-time in the space I've sent my CV or my resume and we're in talks of just kind of figuring out the best way to use my skills because I feel like in web3 there's a lot of devs there's a lot of software engineers there's a lot of marketers but there's not a lot of people that are good at admin and I'm really good at it Those are kind of the mod jobs I have at the moment. I know for a fact that the mod jobs that you do for projects that are about a week to two weeks from Mint, you have to be there a lot. You have to be there answering questions. It helps instill confidence if your mods are there. I feel like the general uh, community in Solana has this weird pedestal for mods and project founders. It's quite bizarre. But you know when they see mods talking, it's like they get this extra confidence that the project project's going to be okay, so... Congrats on that potential prospective job opportunity. That
0: sounds really, really exciting. And actually on the note of sort of having multiple different roles and or, you know, potentially a, a more full-time role, I saw that you had tweeted recently about your sort of new NFT Notion HQ dashboard. And from what I could see, it seems like a really convenient organizational tool to just stay on top of things. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and, and how you actually use it?
1: Yeah, for sure. So Notion is a, what would you describe it as? It's a software that you can use, but it's like a buildable software. You can have stuff like monday.com, Trello, Airtable. There are all project management, organization, you know, time management kind of products out there, but you can't modify them to work the way that you want to. The website is what you get. So with Notion, it's very buildable. You can create your own pages. It's like having a journal, but on the computer. So you can put anything wherever you want. Their most important tool in Notion is their databases that you can create yourself. You can give them all different headers. So it's a really good way to track data. So I started using Notion because I work for my sister. She's got it at a jewelry shop that she runs through Instagram which is like her main source of traffic. So it's a small business and probably one day a week I do her admin. This is where it all kind of started um, with the Notion. So I do um, all of her admin and bookkeeping and she uses Notion for her business. And so I had to learn how to use it and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I want to use this for my personal life to do like journaling because I hate writing. It's just too slow for the, the way that my brain works. My brain is like just... Thinks too much. So I started habit tracking and having a calendar in there and putting resources in for learning. And then when I found NFTs, I was thinking this is perfect for that. So I've created like a mint calendar. Every time I join a new server, I add it to my mint calendar. And then each day I go through all of my servers. I check all the announcements. I read every single one and I transfer that data into my notion. So it just means that I'm never missing anything. I mean I do miss some wallet submissions. That's usually over a weekend or something, which I'm a little bit more chilled out and try not to work too much on the weekend. So building the mint calendar database and then I've built a things to do database. Try and simplify it here. So you can those are your two main databases and I just hide them in like a back end of like the Notion and then you can create a link database off that and to include any information that you want. So I could create a new table that only includes things to do that are due for the week. It'll only show mints that are coming up within the week or I could only have mints coming up that are for tomorrow. It's all a manual process. There are tools out there that kind of automate all this for you but I like how it's tailored to yourself. You can make it look pretty. You can make it look very like simple. So it's a really good way to track your things to do for the week, because mine just build up all the time. I'm on Twitter, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea, I'm gonna do that. So I'll just dump it into my Notion and then I'll organize it later over the end of the day. It's got a really good habit tracker. That you can set up so that then there's daily tasks that you do that you know that you need to get done and then you can also create pages in my notion dashboard i've written down all of my wallets and once a week i'll do like a balance check i guess So i go through all my wallets so i've got about eight different solana wallets so it's probably not as much as some people but uh, they've all got different amounts in them so we've got like a mint wallet another mint wallet and then like a profit wallet and then a payment wallet and i need to keep track of how much is in each one so i track that and then and I've also created this really cool database for whitelisting because, oh my gosh, if you joining servers all the time and getting whitelisted, it just becomes quite overwhelming. So I created a dashboard to track if you've joined a server, what role you have in the server, are you whitelisted? If you are whitelisted, have you submitted your wallet? Yes or no? If you have submitted your wallet, it also will prompt you to say, where did you submit it did you do it in the discord online with blocksmith labs their mercury tool so it's all just about checking so you don't have to go looking in the server looking in the channels you can just go back to your spreadsheet only thing that makes it work is you need to use it and you need to make sure that the data is up to date it can get quite overwhelming and you can get quite lost in it if you're not updating so i'm still yet to finish the template because i want to include a goals section in there for people and i just want to make it a bit more user-friendly because mine is very complicated because i know how to use it so not a lot of people know how to use these databases but they are very handy if you don't want to pay for a tool but that's kind of how I did it and I love it I feel like it's like designing and I would easily create notion dashboards all day if someone paid me I would I love it it's so nice it's like problem solving
2: It's a crazy piece of software. I mean, I know so many people that organize their entire lives around it. And it it was exactly to your point. You have to use it. And that's my struggle is I'll I'll, I'll start using it and then I'll forget about it, et cetera. And then it comes irrelevant. So for the project founders, are there a couple of adjustments or things that you would like to see more often to make a better, more sustainable work environment for the moderators, for the people that are working for the founders?
1: I think that they need to have an expectation set up from the beginning. And those expectations can change throughout the project, throughout the work life that you're working for them, as long as they are communicated to your staff. So I think when you first come on board, you have those expectations set up. This is what I want you to do. This is how much you're getting paid. If you're not getting paid, this is what we're going to give you so that the person knows exactly what's happening. But I also think that project founders probably not weekly sometimes it doesn't deem necessary but definitely like status updates on kind of coming back and and reviewing like are all our mods working equally as some of them sometimes can slip under the radar so I think it's really important to make sure that your mods aren't doing the work of everybody And making sure that the workload is shared. Because some of these mods are quite young. They're still in school. And they don't really have, you know, real world experience. They've never had a boss before. So they kind of need to take on that responsibility of checking in bi-weekly or, you know, weekly. And just making sure, seeing if there's any concerns that they have. And just really connecting with the moderators. Because projects can't exist without moderators. And moderators can't exist with projects. I'm not saying that moderators are the backbone of the project but they are like in a customer service experience they're representing the brand so they're the first thing that people speak to like the community so they need to make sure that they're all on the same page and bad mods can ruin a project yeah you just need to be more in touch I think this is not a personal experience this is just an observation that I think might happen because the the work that I do is fine but I think maybe that that could be something
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's such a valid point. I think when projects are in early stages, especially, or even the later stages, like it's so important to stay connected. And I think we could definitely do a better job of that uh, with the Web3 Connect team. But we're so grateful to have you as a moderator there. You play a critical role in our server. And I think that was all the questions we had for you. This has been an awesome conversation. It's nice to get a peek behind the curtain of the life of a mod and some of the administrative work that's so crucial to making projects successful on the back end that I think a lot of people might overlook. So we really appreciate your time and meeting with us back. And thank you so much. It was great chatting with you.
1: Yeah, it was great chatting to you guys too. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, don't forget to follow Beck on Twitter at 0x underscore Beck, B-E-C, and pop into the Web3 Connect Discord server to say hi to her in general chat. Our personal socials will be in the show notes, and stick around to hear Noland and I talk a bit more about Web3 education, reflecting on your strengths, marketing yourself, and the importance of clear communication. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week.
2: Have you heard of Soul Gods? Do you know what they're up to?
0: I I have heard of Soul Gods. I love their art, and I know they blew up recently. Their floor price like skyrocketed, but I don't know any specifics about what their like utility is or what their initiatives are right now.
2: So, so it's funny. I'm a holder, and I don't even know that much. I haven't read through their whole white paper, um, but in a couple of announcements that they laid out recently, they were talking about this one one crazy idea in particular. Well. Fundamentally, they're trying to create a different kind of staking platform with different technological like, capabilities within it. And the, the reason that they're really sticking out to me right now is that they have this onboarding mechanism for Rust developers. I think it was the owner. Um, in one of the announcements, he was like, I went to one of these like, NFT LA or one of one of those like IRL events, and he networked with someone who's head of this society called the Secret Solana Society. And from what I understand, they literally just go to MIT, and big name colleges that have done computer programming and they're graduating, they're about to get a degree in it, and they literally just poach them. And they'll say, here, we'll teach you Rust. It'll be a couple of weeks. You already have a really good foundation of programming. And then they'll onboard those people into projects that need that developer talent. And I just thought it was fascinating because they had such a beautifully streamlined way of onboarding traditional Web2 talent, people that would have been onboarded to Google or an Amazon or Facebook or whatever to do software for them. Brought him right into NFTs, and it just reminds me of what Soulblitz is doing. Where I mean, he's growing his marketing agency. I don't, I don't want to say like crazy, but he's onboarded quite a few people, and he's trying to bring this like real world consulting view to the NFT space, treating these projects like businesses. Not to mention this kind of third person perspective on what the project is trying to do. I feel like the longer you've been in a project, the harder it is to kind of see the forest from the trees. You're just so deep in the trenches of whatever it is you're doing that it's hard to take a step back and actually appreciate is what I'm doing here actually valuable I think that for as long as like people are able to get that kind of beginner's perspective on like is this project valuable is there some kind of demand for this and just that that's fresh set of eyes not to mention onboarding people from the outside is just so valuable
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think we need more of that. Granted, I'm not super tapped into the university recruiting scene at this point in my life since I'm, I'm far, I mean, not that far out of college, like about five years. But I clearly and distinctly remember trying to land a job coming out of college and only really having those traditional corporate Web2 options, like at all of the job fairs, you had big four consulting firms. I was in business as well, or like supply chain or marketing agencies, like all geared toward Web2 traditional in real life corporations. And granted, a lot has changed in the last five years. Blockchain technology has became very popular, um, almost mainstream in a way, and maybe not quite yet, but definitely moving towards that. And we totally need more Web3 based recruitment at universities. Because those are the brains of the future. Like, I think these graduates, a lot of them might not even realize that there is an option to take an unconventional route and not necessarily have to work for an in real life company. But as more and more people are starting to find a desire to work completely remotely and have that flexibility, like Web3 is a great option for them. And I I remember being in business school and having consulting specifically just like shoved down my throat. Like, it it was everywhere I looked. Everybody I saw spoke with in my business school was like, pretty much you're not successful if you don't find a job in big four consulting, which is not true. But that's how it sort of felt when you were in the situation and in the thick of it. And that sort of really taught me the importance of consulting, like not to not consulting at all, you make really great money. And it's just it's so critical, like you were saying to have that third party perspective. Yeah, you might be dishing out a lot of money for these experts to come in and give you a third party take on what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. But that's an integral aspect to a successful business. And the more that we can sort of start to transcend that into the NFT space, the more successful we're going to be in the long term. So that's why I really appreciate and love what Spoonicus is doing with his team Soul Blitz and like having an entire enterprise an entire agency around his background experience in marketing it's like i'm excited to see more and more people do that
2: and as you as you say that one thing i wonder is like if you don't have those communities of people or just giga brains around you that you can bounce ideas off of how can you push yourself to be a project advisor or to to kind of lean into whatever niche you're trying to aim at even if you want to learn development like how do you go from knowing nothing to to learning an appropriate amount to the point where you can sell yourself as a developer as a marketer as a brander as as whatever right and i struggle to really have like a firm answer on this because i haven't done it yet but as we've continued to do these interviews i've started to appreciate that like you really just have to be so strategic about your thinking about the way that you approach these problems, right? I think it starts from having like the biggest vision that you can for yourself and to kind of give yourself the permission to think bigger about what you're capable of And then to one, believe that you can do it. And two, like strategically work backwards from the end goal to start to get to where you want to go. So say you want to be like a top tier project advisor. Maybe that means working for a couple project advisors for free. Maybe it means working for a small project and trying to see if you can help give it legs off of the ground where basically you want to be an indisposable asset, an invaluable asset to the team. And it's pretty hard to get to that point if you're just kind of, Wandering around like a chicken with your head cut off, not really knowing where you're going, but finding that balance, I've found to be—I don't know if I'd even call it a balance, but it's like it's pretty hard, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
0: No, no. I mean, I definitely agree, but and the the concept goes beyond just NFTs too, because I remember, and maybe not to this day, but even up to about a year ago, before I sort of got into the NFT space. I really didn't have a clue of where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And when you don't have all of your options laid out in front of you, and even when you do have all of your options laid out in front of you, it's really hard. I was hard. just
2: about to say, yeah.
0: It's really hard to make that decision, actually, especially when you have all those choices presented to you, because it's like, what am I good at? What's What am I passionate about? What do I want to do for the rest of my life? And maybe it's not for the rest of your life, but what do I want to do next that will in turn have implications to what I'm doing after that? And when you get into the space, the NFT and Web3 space specifically, it's really just like information overload. And I know we've talked about this before, how there's a lot at our fingertips on the internet to teach you how to do many different things. But to take the time to organize that and digest it and process it in a way that's actually going to be effective for like your growth and, and where you want to go is really difficult to to do, And in my opinion, the best way to go about it is learning by doing by literally just jumping in and taking a risk. And maybe it's not a huge risk because you're doing it part time at first, or you're in school and you have some extra time and just do put yourself out there like odds are you have relevant background experience from school, from internships, from in real life jobs that can be applied to what you can be doing in web three, even though you might not have any direct web three experience. So there's so much opportunity there. You just have to kind of put yourself out there.
2: It is a weird line to draw though, because, and I would push back by saying you can put yourself out there as much as you want, but if you have no sense of who you are and what your strengths are, and if you're not in tune with what your gut is telling you to do, I find it, I find it way more likely you're not going to get anywhere. I think that maybe not before you put yourself out there, because that's super important, but I'm coming to appreciate as I kind of mature. I'm, I mean, I'm 22 for reference, um, but as I'm starting to mature, I realize that. I can only be so attached to the things that I see in front of me. It has to come from within. And that's not to sound all spiritual, kind of guru, whatever. More so, do I understand who I am and my strengths? Do I like talking to people? Do I like thinking logically? Does that make me a good Rust developer or a community manager, for example? And understanding how I line up with the strengths that I have to inform like my, my gut instinct, right? And I think that's so invaluable. And I think... 6529 uh put a great tweet on this. It was super brief, but it was so perfect he said, I have a gut instinct. I follow my gut, I evaluate what happened, and I either continue following my gut or I readjust and start something else. It's the fact that for a while I personally and maybe some of you listeners can relate as well, I did not trust my gut for the longest time and I still don't to some extent, but I'm starting to now, and the more that I've started to appreciate that, like it really is within me and how I choose to spend my time, it almost becomes irrelevant what's out there because as long as you like appreciate the kind of abundance of opportunities available, you can be a little bit more at peace with who you are, knowing that it's okay to be a number two, and number five in a company. Not everyone has to be a number one making millions of dollars. It's totally okay to make 300k a year, 100k a year, 50k a year, like that that's fine too. Everyone aims so high. And I think it's, I think a lot of people would benefit from being more honest and realistic with themselves, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you were kind of just touching on in terms of reflecting internally and that sort of self-awareness to know what you're good at, maybe what your areas of improvement are, and then being able to use your gut instinct or your intuition to figure out like, okay, what does that mean for me and where should I go next is super important. But I also am just thinking back to even like five, six years ago when I was sort of towards the tail end of my college career I could be as reflective as I as I want but I I didn't have enough experience for that reflection to actually teach me anything like it is almost like you have to build up that sort of repertoire of different things that you've tried and maybe you end up not liking it and you move on to something else and it teaches you so much to like just get in the game and try different things. Because then that way, when you're doing that self reflection, you have more to actually think about and to help define your next steps there. But I think one of the biggest things you can sort of do is when you're thinking about what's next for me, and especially if you want to get into something entrepreneurial or into the NFT space, which is very entrepreneurial, you kind of have to start with creating solutions for problems that you yourself are experiencing because if you think about any successful business person in this world they got to where they are today because they had an idea that was like hey you know what this is really inconvenient or this could be made better by xyz because i experienced this issue i can't be the only one in the world who is experiencing something similar like there's probably thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people thinking the same things to themselves but maybe you know don't have the time capacity or interest to build out an entire plan to solve that problem so and obviously this goes far beyond than just getting a traditional corporate 9 to 5 job this is more around kind of building something yourself and and creating something new, which not everybody wants to do. And that's totally fine. But that can kind of be a way for you to start thinking of like, what am I passionate about? What do I care about? Even if you're not wanting to create something from the ground up, you can kind of reflect and think, what problems do I encounter? And maybe I should go into a field that helps solve those. And maybe the field already exists, or maybe I need to create it myself. So there's a lot of ways that you can go about like figuring out like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? But I know it took me a very long time to figure that, at least for me, it felt like a long time. I've only been around for 26 years, but before I found the NFT space and before I conceptualized the idea of Web3 Connect, I very much had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. And it's such a nice and humbling feeling to know now like where my passion lies and where I want to go, but I know it takes a while to get there.
2: Yeah, absolutely it does. And it's this idea that I can use myself as an average. And it's a it's a mental heuristic that I've actually never heard anyone talk about this, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere, if, if it if it's even true. But I'll think of myself as the average consumer, the average thinker, the average everything. And when I think about it that way, I can start to appreciate how a lot of problems that I have, a lot of questions that I have, there's a good, good chance that someone else is going to have the exact same problem as me. So I think back to school, for example, when uh, I had a Teacher explained something that made no sense to me in a class that I thought I was good at. And I'd have no problem asking a question in that class because I knew that, well, Since I'm good at this class, and I don't understand this, but no one else is asking for some reason, someone else definitely has the same question too. And in the same way, I am so positive that some of you guys listening have had difficulties in the NFT space one way or another, whether it be maybe you bought the wrong JPEG, maybe you bought a rare when you should have bought two floors. And to be able to reflect on that experience because you know that other people have had it. Just to be able to think about that and to write a Twitter thread on it and to kind of communicate to people why that was an issue for you, what you learned from it, and how you're going to try to move forward with that in mind and to just give that away for free. Like all you did was live your life and write about it, and all of a sudden you have leverage, right? Like I, th- I think I make it more complicated than it needs to be, and I think other people most likely do as well. Thinking of yourself as average in that sense or as as a proxy for what a lot of other people are also experiencing can be a good way to kind of find your target audience or find a niche where the things that you talk about, the things that you think about are going to be things on other people's minds as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think you hit on something that is so crucial really to any aspect of business, but especially is sort of lacking in the NFT space, which is that sort of clear communication. And, and this could be relevant to many different people, depending on what your role is, right? It could be relevant to like you were just saying, using your personal experience and thinking of yourself as the average consumer and things that you've learned that you want to help communicate and articulate to other people to share that knowledge and contribute to the growth of the ecosystem as a whole, like that type of communication, right? But then you have communication between project owners and and team members, of an NFT project to the community. And that stems both from the very beginning of when you're starting your project and really defining your core values, your mission, your value proposition, and the type of utility you plan on providing, your brand identity, being consistent and documenting those things and then using that in your communication strategy to the community to help build trust and to help clearly convey what you're trying to achieve because consumers in this space have so many options like you were just explaining like finding your niche and building that connection through communication with your community is so important and I think a lot of people will kind of just communicate the way that they're used to communicating and and say things in a way that makes sense to them because that is all that we really know whatever like we're sort of used to whatever we grew up around without really taking into account how it can be perceived or interpreted by the end user by the consumer of your nft project and that creates a lot of confusion in a lot of areas it creates a lot of fud sometimes um, because a lot of miscommunication and it's such like a weird concept to think about like why do i have to be cognizant of how i'm saying something or how it's being communicated or the tone or when i'm saying something but it really makes such a huge impact on the long-term success of your project
2: it's it'll always be in the people and it's probably one of the hardest skills to to master communication and just being able to like observe the relevant things about the people that you're talking to the kind of response that you anticipate versus what you actually got as a lens to understanding like what kind of people you're talking to what their interests are it's really hard to master that skill because people spend so much time thinking about themselves that when you don't spend time like thinking about the other person of the conversation you kind of lose touch with what their intentions are. And they're another human just like you, their own motivation, their own agenda, their own angle, their own everything. And to the extent that you don't try to understand that, you will always be behind. And that's why I love what you said about the communication. And I'm trying to work on that myself is understanding who I'm talking to, what do they want to know? What do they want to learn, right? And just kind of not catering, but keeping that in mind so that I can deliver the most value I possibly can. It's way harder than it looks. And it is 100% like a muscle that constantly needs exercise.
0: Yeah. And when you even think about it at the most basic level of an NFT project, like where communication comes in, not only, of course, from the project founders, and the leadership within that team. That's obviously where it starts, where it's sort of cultivated in terms of how people should be communicating to the community. But even down to the level of moderators, like mods on Discord servers need to, in a sense, have a really intimate understanding of how the founders and the leadership want things to be communicated or need things to be communicated to make sure that they're alleviating any of that confusion, that they're there to answer questions, that they're there to direct people to the right place place, and that they're propagating that brand that the founders have created. Um, It needs to be embodied by every person on the team. And I would arguably say, especially the moderators, because those are the people who are on the ground and interacting with the community every single day, every single minute of the day. And it depends on who you ask. But mods, in, in my mind, tend to be kind of an undervalued role, because there are a lot of people in this space who are willing to do moderator work so there's a huge supply and there's only but so much demand because there's only but so many projects in the space especially if we're speaking about Solana specifically so it's unfortunate to see a lot of mods being put in a situation where they might be undervalued or they might not be fairly paid specifically when a project has minted and they've made you know hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars like some of that needs to be allocated to the team like it's just it's only fair. And when I see projects who have passed their mint and potentially have even made millions of dollars, and they're not allocating some of those funds to their mods and to the people on the ground, like that is just is so unfortunate to see. And I'm trying to think of ways that us as Web3 Connect can be an ally to those people who, you know, are being not paid at all or underpaid and undervalued in the space
2: mods are way too interchangeable. And I don't know, there are moderators that that communicate like the the sentiment of the project, they just make so many friends, and they they really should be a community manager, but you can only have so many community managers, but the mods are completely replaceable. And so it, it leaves me wondering, like, if you are a mod, how do you work to like, make yourself as invaluable as possible? Because you are so interchangeable, what unique value added are you to your ecosystem? And I think that as long as people try to focus on that question, there's only reason to go up, right? There's only reason to to add more value. But it takes a while to, at least for me, kind of having been stuck in different like mental ruts, it, the abundance isn't always clear. The abundance of value, of opportunity, of friends, all that stuff, it's not always obvious. But once I started to adopt that mentality a little bit more, it became a little bit easier to kind of lean into the how can I always add value? How can And I always be grateful and then kind of work through with that gratitude in mind has been super useful for me.
0: But then the tricky part is like, let's say you're putting all this time and effort into adding value as a mod. And, you know, the project is making money, has made money through their mint and is whatever working on their roadmap 2.0, whatever it might be. And of course they've allocated a lot of those funds to different purposes. Like that money isn't just going down the the toilet, like they have things to use it on. But um, in my opinion, one of those things should be your team, obviously uh, down to the mods. And say you're creating all of this value and you're spending all this time, like, How do you go about having that conversation with the project founders to be like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time and energy on this. Like, I feel like it's only fair that I get payment for this when there are so many other people who can just step right into your position and and start doing the same thing you were doing. Like, what value can you provide as a mod that would be beyond any value that other mods could provide? Like, I, I don't know. I have to think about that more
2: and and to your point too it's part of actually why i love the american culture i mean that's what i'm most in touch with is i i mean i have a ton of ton of gripes with it that's not really the point here but know they exist i guess the one thing i'm really grateful for though is kind of in this capitalistic structure that exists in the United States, it's a crucial skill to be able to communicate and to be able to sell yourself, to be able to sell the value that you've already delivered and to to use that as leverage to say, hey, I deserve a little bit more payment. And I know it goes from like situation to situation, but part of that's understanding who you are as a moderator or community manager or whatever value that you've been adding that no one else can replicate, that's your secret sauce, and then being Able to say, hey, like this is what I add to your team. I know what I'm worth. Are you willing to pay me what I know I'm worth?
0: That's a very important point. And it's relevant in the traditional corporate world as well, obviously, with like trying to land a job and going through interviews and framing your resume in such a way that's selling yourself and marketing yourself. And it's, I would say a little trickier to do probably in the Web3 space just because it is so brand new and you have to get a little more creative around how you're correlating your your prior skills to maybe what new task or initiative you're looking to take on, but it's totally possible. And I think a huge part of that is networking as well, which I feel like we've talked about so much on this podcast, the networking and putting yourself out there and being in the right communities and creating a name for yourself, regardless of what that name might be right it's like defining that and then pursuing it and grabbing it because the opportunity is there sometimes it's just a matter of you creating a role for yourself like displaying your value in such a way that a project is like I didn't even realize we needed this but like you are providing insurmountable value to us and we want to have you do x like that is totally possible
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole goal. And to anyone listening, if you could walk away from this podcast with like a couple things in mind, I would say number one, and I'm just quoting Gary V here, literally just self-awareness, know yourself. I don't think there's anything more important than that. The Second is a really intentional approach to what you're doing and why you're doing it. What value are you adding? What problem are you solving? Why are you solving that problem? And then what are you hoping to get out of it? right? Whether that's payment, whether that's a community, whether that's connections or literally just giving for the hell of it, like understand why you're here and then methodically approaching whatever you determine your end goal to be. I don't think there's anything more important. I think there are, but that is among the more important things out there that you can use to kind of propel yourself further. (laughs)